In this podcast, I'm sharing my passion and curiosity for soft robotics, where we share inspiring stories about the work we do and how we can push the limit. I am Mara Dwini, and this is Soft Robotics Podcast. Support for this show comes from Science Robotics Journal. I really find Science Robotics to be a great resource for reliable and tangible research where we can really push the limit of the science we do in robotics. Great way to stay up to date with the published article is checking out the released monthly issue. All the links will be included in each episode description. We will also happen to have a regular conversation on the most published science robotic articles where also you can contribute with your question and thoughts about the research. Thanks Science Robotics for sponsoring Soft Robotics Podcast. Hello Ricardo, thanks so much for joining us on podcast. Such honor to have you. It's my pleasure, my pleasure. We have been trying to get this meeting a couple of times, but finally we achieved it. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, uh, I'm curious, uh, firstly, if you can introduce yourself or who you are for audience, maybe first time listening to you. I assume people know who you are, but maybe you can introduce yourself. Okay, yeah, my pleasure, of course. So I am uh, leading a company which is called The Construct, Subliminal Information. Okay, and then there, what we do is we teach people how to program robots, and especially how to program with ROS, with the robot operating system. That's the main difference. And also another difference in our academy, online academy, is that we don't teach by showing videos, but we teach by making the students practice. This is the key difference. So you are not going to be uh, watching a video, but following some notebooks with instructions about how to do things with robots and not about what is a topic or what is a laser, but how can I make my robot do this? And then by unfolding this question, then you are practicing with the simulated robots that we provide. And, and then all the other questions, they arise. Because at the end, if you want to make the robot do something, you will need to understand what is the concept of topics. But we don't start with this. So what is a topic? Okay. For what do I need a topic? So why do I need to understand this concept? I don't care. I want the robot to avoid obstacles. Oh, yeah. For that, you need to use the laser. And to get the data for a laser, you need a topic. Oh, yeah. Now I get it. I, I got it. I, I understand the concept. So that's basically in our academy how we teach students. It is online and anybody can access there. So maybe before going to more details, I'm curious about the start because I think the hard thing is about start something and make it successful and or maybe sustainable. So since in robotics, I know that's a question how we can start a startup or business. It's super hard. It's very risky. When you ask people, you say, forget about it. It's so risky and... I'm curious, before starting the company, what kind of something you were doing and just you take a session, well, I will start that thing. Because I think that's the hard part, maybe. Yes, yes. Well, I don't know if I have to, to explain this and answer your question straight because, as you mentioned, it's very hard and it's not going to work. So it didn't work for us, neither. So... <laughs> <laughs> at present so it's very difficult to make a successful business with robotics very difficult and especially more difficult if your company is about 
software for robotics. That's almost impossible. That's almost impossible. And then our, in our case, we started, we wanted to create cloud simulations. That was 2015. And we wanted to create cloud simulations where ROS developers, they can connect and have very big simulations, very uh, good looking and close to reality simulations that they can use for programming the robot. So instead of having the robot in there, uh, so they can use those simulations, do as many tests. That's what now is, is quite common to do it in, for example, with uh, NVIDIA, ISAC, and then you launch several simulations. But at that time, that was not so, uh, so clear. And, and then we had this idea. Uh, so we started with this, but there was no business. There was no business. I, I don't know the numbers about ISAC in, uh, from um, NVIDIA, but I'm pretty sure are very low. And other companies that are uh, providing software and trying to sell to the developers, I think that their numbers of, in terms of business is very low. It's not sustainable because it's so hard to create those systems. It requires so much work, so many engineers. And then at the end, the, the developers in, in robotics, we are used to use open source tools. And we want open source tools. And we want to do it ourselves. And that's a super barrier, super barrier. Then at most people can understand to pay for hardware, for these things. So people understand, okay, so it's something physical. But paying for software, no, no way. Because I can do this and this and this and this. Yeah, but that's taking so much time, so much effort. You can have it. No way. No way. So that's the situation. Okay, so I'm, I'm telling you that if you're planning to do a company in robotics, I would advise you that you based on hardware. Software, I don't know how to make it business. Then in our case, we, we use the software that we have created for those uh, 3D simulations in the cloud. We use it now as our engine for our academy. And then that's the difference that we are making to, with other academies that are there, that are showing videos, basically. They are based on videos or at most Jupyter Notebooks. Then uh, in our case, we have this engine that we have created and it's providing the simulations to the students so they don't have to care about having simulations ready. And that's how we have transitioned to that way of, of software. But even there is very difficult. It's very difficult because we are, again, competing against the things that are the, the free tutorials that are so many there in YouTube and in wikis and all that. So the situation is difficult. It's less difficult for hardware. If you build a, a robotics company based on hardware, but that has another drawback, with it, with this, which is uh, the, the in initial investment that you have to do is usually bigger, larger, because hardware is uh, a lot more costly. In our case, we can start with any open source and then put a lot of hours and develop. But in the other case, in order to develop this, okay, so this is a JetBot. It's already, it's, I'm doing some experiments here, that's why on my table. But in case that you want to develop this, so you have to buy all the parts and start doing the experiment. So the investment in the first hand is more difficult. 
That I, yeah. I I don't know if I went out of the question. <laughs> no, no, no. I understand, and that leads me to the question about what could be missing here because you try to touch a problem that software alone maybe is not sufficient as a business model, and and sometimes we struggle. For myself, to be honest, I'm a big advocate for open source, and I know at the same time it is really painful. It's so painful, and it takes a lot of time. So that's something here you try to apply the hardware but i'm curious about what you think maybe the missing piece because i think open source people want open source but there's a pain in, in maintaining the stuff and sometimes it doesn't work and it just still still yeah it's hard sometimes to get the stuff working properly so where do you think the missing piece do you believe here mm, okay so i don't i don't know in so in my opinion i am also advocate of open source but I'm not sure that it is so good or so bad. So I think that we went, so at the beginning we were in one position here, it was everything was closed. And then the companies, they were abusing of that. And they were so much abuse, abuse because you have to go on, uh, with them, otherwise you have nothing. Then it appears the open source, which is a very good uh, idea, and I support it. But then I think that has moved, moved, moved to the other side, and now it's on the other side. So it is abusing on the other side. So everything has to be free. And okay, so yeah, okay, so I'm happy with that if bread is also free. <laughs> you can get your bread for free. But in the other case, is for software developers, it's very difficult to create your own business. So the only way is to create so much value beforehand, but so much, so much, so much for free, that then you can have some pieces, some small pieces of business attached to the maintain, maintenance of that software or adaptations for that software. But in, in my opinion, okay, so the effort to create all those things of in open source is so big than for the small amount of business that you are getting in related products. Or at least that's my experience, or at least I don't know how to do it better. I don't know how to do it better. Then I, what I would, I would suggest is just to look around the world and see what is happening. So what is happening is that just a few companies in robotics, they are, let's say, successful, but successful, I don't know how to call it successful because successful doesn't mean that you are getting investment money. Successful, for me, in business, it means that you have a business that you are selling and what you are selling, then you can pay you everything and have all the kind of luxuries that you want, of course, and because you deserve it and all the big salaries and so on. But for me, it doesn't count when it is coming from an investor. It has to be that it comes from your business, your selling of your product or service. And this, I don't think that, I don't know the numbers of all the companies, but I suspect that just a few, maybe with one hand, we can count it. Maybe, mm. just a few, just a few. The rest are just surviving, in my case, or about to fail, or based on investment money, and mm. they will stay until they they finish this money, or they find they figure out a business model that is sustainable. 
That, that, that's, yeah. that's very difficult, so finding the sustainable. We are fighting every day against, against that. Wow. I'm going to just ask you in that case here, what is lacking here? Because we speak about the technology sometimes is not important. You need to find something that the consumer really read it. So when you look to that, um, you select something, I think, ministry needed, and we will go to that later. But when you look to the market, what is really lacking here, if it's really, really hard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it depends on where you are looking at. So first, if you want to sell products to the consumer, to the typical people outside, I mean, not into the community of roboticists, but to the consumer, then you have to provide something that is useful in some way. And this robotics is not working. The only thing that is robotics useful is uh, the Roomba robot. And now it's a starting, it looks like, but I would like to see myself. I haven't seen it. It's uh, robots that go uh, autonomously in the warehouses and I mean, I understand, I know these ones of Amazon that are, but this is a very particular case. I'm talking in general for the warehouses in general, not that specific warehouse that has been built for that. Yeah. Then in general, I, I don't know, but it has to work, but because it has to work very well. Otherwise, the people of the warehouses, they are not going to buy it because it's so costly and so on. There is a fight at present there with those machines that are, doing the cargo of stuff and bringing it autonomously from one place to another. Also with the cobots that are working at the side. But, okay, so one thing is what we see on LinkedIn and on the news, and another thing, what is the reality? Okay, and then, so I, I, I don't have this, um, direct data in all the companies, just in, in some, some of them. Then, I cannot talk for all of them, but as far as I know, then, uh, I mean, it's a still in progress, work in progress in that case. What it means is that there is no killer application. There is no robot that does a service that everyone says, oh, it's very clear. This is solving this problem and I need to solve this problem. It's not a nice to have. For example, a nice-to-have robot. It's a drone, a small drone that is moving around the, the, ho the home or, uh, or your business and then it sprays some uh, fragrance in order to keep the ambience very uh, well-smelling. Okay, that's very cool. Super cool idea. Super cool. Who is going to pay for that? Nobody, because that's nice to have. So you give me this for free, then I will use it. But if I have to pay uh, 2,000 euros or dollars for that, I will not do it because, you know. So the robot needs to, what I mean is that it needs to solve a real problem. And it has to do it very well. Mm. And that is the point. The, the, the technology that we have, especially in terms of software, is not robust enough. The hardware is there, I think. So the hardware can solve many, many situations. But the problem is that the software, the intelligence of the robot is not strong enough. So that's for consumer products, okay? So for consumer. That's lacking is this utility, some problem that the robot can solve very well, okay? So that's not, that's not available. 
in my opinion. And on the other side, if you want to sell to our community, the community of roboticists, then there is a lack of, I, I would say that there is a lack of competition. So the mm. companies, it, it's in my opinion, okay? So this is my opinion, and uh, please, uh, uh, listeners that are there, understand that it's based on my experience and my reflections and so on. So you can disagree. In my opinion, there is no real competition. Competition means that if you don't sell more than the other, you go out of business. You, if you don't sell. So basically, the companies, what I mentioned, is based on investment money. And when the investment money is runs out, the company dies. Example, Baxter, the robot, Jibo, the robot, uh, the, this is more Vector. So, so many. So it's plenty. It's plenty of this, of those uh, companies. Yeah. Because they are not providing any, any useful thing. And, th and they are not competing against each other in order to do it faster, better, with a less uh, amount of money spent on this. Then, if you do this, then you can take all the time of the world and so to do your things and then to try. I, ha I, I know of companies that they are building their own ROS. So they are starting from that point of building their own ROS, which is, a, 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 in my opinion, is a complete waste of time. They think that they can do ROS better. Probably they can, but the effort is not worth it because you have to start selling. You have to start as soon as possible or, or not selling, but uh, trying to test your product, see the acceptance of the public if it is uh, going to be um, accepted your product or where it fails so people can give you some feedback and then you can change and then try it again and so on, this process of a lean startup. So you need to do this as fast as possible because otherwise you're going to run out of money. So this pressure doesn't exist in robotics, in my opinion. And because it doesn't exist, then it's every tool that you create in order to speed up, to make the life easy to the developers or in this way, then it's is going to fail, in my opinion. So nobody is going to buy this because they don't really need it. It's nice for them to have it if you provide to them for free. But if, if they have to pay, they are not going to pay for that. They prefer to do it themselves. And it's plenty now of those tools, especially, for example, there are some tools like now that show you the status of the robot in a web page. So you can remotely understand the, the, there are several companies that are selling this kind of product. And well, I don't know their status, okay? I don't know. I know that there are movements there. Some have been bought by other companies. That's cool. Uh, but I don't see the business in there. Sorry for yeah. the, <laughs> sorry for the, for this uh, depressing. But I think that, uh, the, it has to be in order to, to understand what is the situation so we can improve it and move forward. What can we do to solve this? Yeah, actually, I think you said a really excellent point, and I agree with you, because I think when you say there's no competition regarding something useful, because I think even in academia, at this point, why we do what we do. Some of research is really meaningful, but sometimes we do stuff because it's trendy, 
and what is the application are. I think that's something also we have in academia in some way or another. But um, and yeah, and 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 that's leads me to the question: picking the problem. And I think when you say you say that building rose from scratch again is a waste of time, and there's no point of doing that. And that's leading me to a question about the complexity, because we had an episode about uh, open source tools with Professor Peter Cork, and he said that because of the open source, we have this complexity, and um, he doesn't really agree with what's happening. And when you try to avoid this complexity, how you manage to use ROS and develop it so that it can meet the student need or the customer need, how you manage to do that? Yeah, well, how you manage? Um, so... From an academia point of view, I see that very difficult because many, many problems out there in the academia. But, uh, and I don't want to get into there because it's too complex. It's because academia is different. Other's perspective from, uh, from a company, yeah, the problem is that anybody that creates a tool on top of that on top of ROS and all this complexity of the open source, it has to provide this as open source. Otherwise, it's not going to be used almost for sure. Then, if you provide this, all the, your work is like, it's work. you have done all this work and still you have zero income. So you have to do it on your own, I don't know, your own, having another job, or with you have some savings, or I don't know how you are going to, to do it, but you have to do it for, for free. And then once you have this, you have to promote it so people use this and find them useful. So you have to be trying to keep like an, a lean startup, trying to, to make it work and in the way that the developers want it to make it work. And then once you have that, then now you can think about putting, finding a business model that supports that. Um, so far, what I have seen that some business models that they have succeeded is because they are doing, so they are providing the software, but uh, for free. Le let me give you an example, Moveit software or Webot Robot Simulator. So they are very, very good examples of very, very good products uh, that are provided as open source for free. And then, the, the companies behind it, they, they provide uh, consultancy services for, for, I mean, for ROS, for robotics, for developing projects using ROS, robots, simulations, and so on. So because they are experts, because they, they have developed this, they have the credibility also, they know the tool also perfectly because they have developed, they can provide those consultancy uh, services. And those, this is one of the lines that, I think it's working, the consultancy services, but based on a reputation or based on a product that you have, that you are providing for free and that you have to maintain. Okay, so it's not yeah. once done and then is no, no, and you had to keep with the new versions of ROS, with the new versions of C++, uh, solving the errors, the issues. So you had to do the consultancy and the maintenance of this in order to have this business. Okay, so it's difficult, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I telling you, I'm telling you that, and we are in this in this fight. Okay, so we are doing this fight, but sometimes it's very tiring. Yeah, I, I'm curious about this kind of fighting and the challenges, and 
how you manage also to deal with the stress and, and the fighting to do things working every day? Because it seems not easy. How you manage to do that? It is, yeah, yeah. it's challenging, well, yeah. Yes, well, the thing is that our team is uh, very small. We are only 10 people, so we can move quickly, we can manage easily, and we keep our infrastructure slow, uh, low, sorry, um, small, no, not slow, not low, small, <laughs> small, we keep that, so that simplifies, and uh, what I try to do all the time is simplify, this is, uh, this is, uh, my my motto and i try to to provide this to my team also is a please simplify why simplify because the guys on the other side that are going to use our software our solution whatever we produce they will understand better if it is simple Sim simpler is always easy to understand easy to sell or at least to sell is to send your message so people can understand and then, on the other side, in the inside of the company, is simpler to maintain. So if that's the way that we try to manage. But of course, so sometimes then the, the stress takes you, and then, so what can we do? We do what we can, have, uh, in my case, uh, solutions. So, for example, uh, then uh, meditation. You have to do it, definitely, definitely. Going to the yeah. gym, you have to go to the gym at, at least uh, three days per week, at least, to do something. And if you cannot do that, then go and have a walk of uh, thousands, yeah. thousands of thousands of steps. Okay, then those things, I have noticed that when I don't do this, then my levels of stress go up. And, and then I start to, to be mad at everything. So like angry at things, at every small thing. And then I notice this, I say, oh, wait, 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 okay, let's go to the routine again. Let's go to that yeah. routine. And yeah, so, some, so that's, those are some things that uh, we try to yeah. use and to apply in order to decrease the stress and to be on the fight. Yeah, that's a really good point, yeah. So if we're still listening about Rostrum, if you can tell us about maybe the update and why do you think also it's very, for every first one, for someone for first time is want to use Ross. So if you can just tell, yeah, because it's the capabilities or the strengths of what you're doing and why it, it should worth the, considering the solutions. Yes, well, it, it depends on, on which point you are coming yeah. so the person is coming so if the person is going to work on on development for robots that that means create software for robots for example artificial intelligence for robots that this is needed and it's going to be needed in the close future yeah. a lot that's what we are lacking actually then in that case you need to understand you need to program in ROS because uh, ROS is the one that is providing us a standard interface for programming all kind of robots. It's the only one. Well, there are others, but with less uh, um, spread. So they are less accepted or used in, in many robots. So many, many, many robots and every company appears near, then they are using ROS from now from the very beginning. Big companies like Microsoft, uh, Amazon, um, 
NVIDIA, uh, many companies, they are uh, jumping into that train. Even, uh, I don't know, for example, Universal Robots. They are creating their drivers for the robots. You know, and they didn't want to because, uh, because they have their own system and so it's okay. But now they, they see the importance of this system. So many robots, they have the same interface, programming interface, which is ROS. Then if you want to have more chances for your programs to be accepted in more robots, then it's better for you to use this. If you want to create a company, why? Then definitely, if you want to create a hardware company, definitely you should jump straight into ROS because it's going to save you so much time mm. on creating all the, all the framework, all the infrastructure that will allow your engineers or third-party engineers create applications for your robot. Also, yeah. it will be easier for your company to, for your company to hire people that know ROS. You know, so if you have your own system, then you have to have engineers that have to come to your place, learn your system, and then program for your system. If your system is ROS, just hire an engineer that knows ROS already. Mm. And it's easier also to teach them uh, because there are many courses, for example, at the Construct or other places also like the Wiki of ROS, which is also excellent and it's a free resource. I always recommend that, that one. That's what where I learn on the, on the ROS, uh, using the wiki, the official wiki. And yeah. then if you are a, a developer, a person that wants to develop, you have to jump in ROS, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Since we close the end, I have a few questions maybe for the company. What's your aspiration? Because you already have a podcast about it as well. And uh, I think you're doing also excellent job that, about the things you talk about. Uh, but maybe what's the aspiration? Where do you see the company should lead for? Because it's really challenging, but I don't know when you try to think about what the next thing, what's maybe you want to enhance or add it to as a plan. Okay, so uh, well, one of our closest plans, actually this is going to be, I think, uh, uh, breaking news in, in your channel, in your podcast, in your podcast. So we haven't announced anywhere and nobody knows, but what we are preparing right now, it's a course, which is, uh, so, so far what we have so far in our academies are courses that you go and take them and then you can do it at your own pace. And they are separated courses like uh, the basics of ROS or how to do uh, deep learning with TensorFlow and ROS, or how to apply ROS with NVIDIA Jetson Nano. So we have all those courses, how to do perception in ROS, a manipulation using MoveIt and so on. But now what we are preparing is going to appear to be launched in September. It's a full job ready program that lasts for several months. It's six months plus one. And then this is going to lead you. So we are going to, to, to guide the students from the very beginning, use from zero knowledge to know everything that you need to know until you become a ROS developer that is ready to work in a company. Not because it knows ROS, but because it knows ROS and all the development tools and how to use all those development tools with ROS in order to 
program uh, create software in a, in a robotics company. So you will be a ROS developer, a real ROS developer, ready to hire. And of course, it will be a junior uh, because you, you, but you will need, you will know about programming, about C++, you will uh, need to, know, uh, you will know how to create simulations, how to do unit tests, how to use Docker, how to use Git in a collaborative environment, even it's including the Scrum functionality. So they are going to be, the students are going to be lead by us in a Scrum manner. So we are going to manage their tasks in a task manager, they have to do a daily pres uh, presentation uh, of their goals of the day for studying. It's a six months and it's concentrated, so they have to be concentrated on that. But after that period of six months, they will be ready to work. Then it's six months plus one month that we are going to take those students and provide them with an internship in one company around the world. So we are establishing um, collaboration with some companies. So this last month, six months plus one of internship in one uh, Ross company around the world. And that's the, the, the direction that we are going. That's very excellent and very cool. Yeah, I really, I really am impressed by that. So that's, yeah, I don't know the student should we have a background in that case if because some people from electric engineering or they'd be interested in um, changing. Do you think that's, there's a, Prerequisite so that you can be enrolled in, in in six months or just one month internship, or how do you envision the student or the person can be eligible for these courses? Yeah. Yes. So those. Uh, so you have to be at least you have to have had at least high school at least that's a minimum. So because you need to to know the basics of math and so on, then you don't need to know about programming. The more programming that you know, the better. But we are going to start by, on the basics, uh, learning how to program in Linux using the uh, Linux system, programming Python in order to start. So they are going to learn Linux, also Python. But we are going to switch quickly. After the first month, we are going to switch quickly to C++ because Python is very easy to use and uh, people get it very quick. So it's going to be only the tool for the first month. But after that, all the rest of the months is going to be on C++, learning C++ and applying C++, because that is the tool, that's the programming language that the companies in robotics, they are using. So companies, companies, I'm talking for companies, okay? So this is job ready series of, of courses that we are launching. A program. I mean, it's a program. It's a complete program. It's, you cannot take only this and only that. It's, you start from the beginning and then you go to the end. Then C++ is mandatory. And then we have to start as soon as possible and, and then start practicing the, all the rest of the, of the program. Practicing, practicing, practicing different aspects of uh, C++, also apply to ROS, etc., etc. We start with Python so they can have the basics of programming faster, faster. Because if you start with C++, that's uh, it's too much to swallow. It, unless you already know Python or you already know, but th this program is is ready for somebody that has never programmed. So they are going to learn to program with us. And all the programming tools that developers use, like Jenkins, uh, Docker, as I mentioned, Git, 
doing unit tests, functional tests in combination with simulations that launch automatically on the cloud. There is also a, a, a chapter of the cloud. And, but all these apply to robotics. Then, uh, to answer finally your question, so you, you need to have the minimum amount of mathematics in, in yours. That, right. I think, is high school. If you have more, then that's better. The, you are going to understand better and take more profit of the, of the program. Excellent, excellent. But I'm going to ask you maybe a question because we ask this question on the community about simulation to reality gap. And to be honest, sometimes when try to use, I'm, I'm using a couple of tools but for soft robotic, but still we, it doesn't really capture this kind of nonlinearities or dynamics or this kind of uncertainty. How we deal with that if, um, yeah, like a, a consumer just wants to see or anticipate the same exact behavior. We're not here like approximate or converge. We need something accurate. Can you tell us about that, this gap, how, how it's, yeah, for you when you try to yeah. design something, yeah. Okay, so here I'm not going to talk about research, okay? So research is something different. Mm. Again, for uh, of many reasons. Let me go to the companies, okay? Mm. So companies, the, why they need to use simulations, even if simulations are not exact as the real robot. Okay, the goal of the simulation at present is not to simulate perfectly for a company, the robot that they have. The simulation has another role. It's a practical role. So you can, while your robot is not even built, your developers can start programming the code for that robot if they have the simulation. Okay, I understand. This code is not going to work the same way in the real robot, I understand, once it's done. But you can polish many, many, many things. And you can have the core of the software already working, and you know that this core is going to work also on the real robot. And then, is the polishment that you need to do on the real robot afterwards? Only once you know that the software is running in the simulation. So the simulation here, the role is not to, oh, I, I will do it only, everything in the simulation. When it's working, then we just put it on the robot and we go to have coffee or a beer. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's, it's for speeding up the process of creating your first code in, in an easier way. So you don't have to first wait for the robot if it is not there. But even if it is there... Doing it on the simulation is a lot faster to develop. Mm. It's a lot faster, and it's going to prevent you from doing some things, like uh, breaking the robot. See, if you have an arm and you program wrongly, then it can crash against something, against the table. So you can prevent all those situations first by trying on the simulation. And then you are going to remove those bad, and then once you put it on the real robot, you fine-tune at, at the end. Then this is different for... Uh, research because in research it depends on the goal that you have that you want for example in reinforcement learning when you are learning making a robot to learn okay so yeah that's very cool but I don't think any of the I don't think any of the robots that are sold sold for something being done it's applying that training in the real life so, I mean, it's, it's cool for, for research and it's the 
is the future of programming the robots, but it still is not that good how to put this into a commercial product. Maybe there is one case that I don't know, yeah, maybe, but in general, it is not. So that's why I'm not talking about uh, the simulations in, in research. For research is different because their goals is, are different, are to create a paper. The, yeah. the goal is to create a paper, not to sell a product that works all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I think that we should not go in that direction of the research using the simulation because it's, it's going to be very long. There are many, many parts mm. in there. Excellent perspective. Excellent. Uh, I'm curious about maybe the doubt or maybe a mistake you did, I think, since 2015, and maybe if you want to share a mistake in the process, or maybe because you, you say you're still fighting sometimes because, of course, everything is challenging. You have moments of doubt sometimes. Yes. Oof, many mistakes, many, many. Actually, I think it's most of the time it's a mistake that doesn't work. And then sometimes something works. Uh, sometimes, but uh, I don't know. So let me, let me think about... Uh, so, so many I'm overwhelmed about this. And also which ones I can, I can explain and which ones I cannot. Oh, yeah, let me give you an example. For example, we decided to translate our courses to other languages. Because many people were asking, hey, we want on this language, we want on this other language. Okay, let's start doing it. And then one of the main languages that was requested was Spanish. And mm. I'm, I'm a Spanish. So yeah. for, just for the people that doesn't know, then, uh, okay, so cool, let's do it in Spanish. Yeah, the problem in Spanish area, let's say Spain and South America, Spain especially, is that yeah. nobody wants to pay for that. So we are doing yeah. a lot of work, a lot of effort, put multi-code into our platform, then send this to translators that do the job and check that everything is correct. And so we, we have different versions in our system. If you modify the course, in one place, you have to go to all the other languages and modify again. Yeah. So it's super complex. And then yeah. nobody was taking the courses in Spanish because the people who wanted to have the courses in Spanish didn't want to pay for having the course because they prefer to go to the wiki or YouTube video. And yeah. I, I understand that. I understand. But from a business perspective that's very bad move because you waste a lot of time and you are based on the feedback you know of the people that say oh yes in spanish they say oh it's super cool and then okay yeah but to provide this in spanish we need to switch our platform to multi-language at least to support two languages yeah. so that's a lot of work and then at least in order to test you have to provide at least one course and so that's a lot of work you know and then yeah. it ends so at those moments, you think, wow, it's so I don't know yeah, if this is worth there. it. It is worth it because so much work for nothing. And then you start to doubt. You start yeah. to doubt. Yeah, I can imagine uh, that. But I think we learn from that as well. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. So we learn other methodologies about uh, testing, for example. Mm -hmm. So, so we don't have to invest all the work on this in order to accept. For example, let me give you an example. 
Hey, uh, we are going to do a webinar about programming this. I don't know. If everybody is interested, and, and then the people, yeah, 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 oh, wow, yes, super interested. Then, uh, then you say, okay, let's put it, it's open. So we want to show this, it's open, it's for free. Then let's put it because we want to, I don't know, to run ads. Or we want to use this, the people coming for selling another product or another event that is going to be a paid event, for example. But we provide the, the full, the full uh, programming of this. So, so there is no trick, okay? No trick. This, you attend the course and then you are going to end knowing how to program this 100%, okay? But then you ha this is a lot of work. Then you have to have a return in some way. If you, if you are yeah. thinking of a business model, okay? Then you have to return. Then you, you think about, yes, uh, adding ads or uh, mentioning another paid event that will be in two weeks. So you expect that the attendance, you will get some, some return. Okay, then you put it for free and then so many people said it's going to attend and then you go on the day of the event and almost nobody at attends. Just mm. most of the people, they registered. They say they are going to yeah. come. They are super interested. They say yes on the forum and so on. But they don't even dedicate the time to attend. Yeah. Okay? I'm not judging that. I'm not judging yeah. if it is, oh, this. I'm not judging that. I'm just thinking in, from the business perspective. Then, okay, so you learn this mistake. And then what you do is very, very simple trick. Very simple trick. Oh, yeah, so you are interested. Very cool. So here is the date that we are going to do the, this free webinar, but it's not going to be free. It's going to be, I don't know, two euros, five euros, just very, very small amount of money. And then this acts as a barrier. So many people completely disconnect, completely say, oh, it's not zero, then I don't go. And that is very good because only the people that are really interested are going to go and go through the process of making the payment and paying the five euros. And then afterwards, yeah. afterwards you can even return the five euros. So you can say it's going to be returned if you attend, for example, if you want. Yeah. Okay, it's not necessary, yeah. but it, it, it depends on the philosophy of each company. But then by doing this simple trick, you can prevent you know all the wasted time on doing the webinar on delivering yeah. and so on because you got a bad feedback uh, uh, not a bad but an unrealistic feedback from the audience when you are asking so you cannot for example you cannot ask the audience about what they they think because what yeah. they they think i mean everybody thinks <laughs> whatever yeah. you can think you can ask hey are you going to take this action? Um, no, so not us. You are going to request. Hey, take this action if you support this. Action doesn't have to be paid money, but do something that is a little bit painful. Then only the people that really support are going to uh, take the effort. And then you can know the real interest for that. Otherwise, the other thing is, is just saying like, for like, you know, that you put yeah. in, you like because like is, is cost me nothing. But when yeah. I have to, when I have to put it, okay, wait, wait a second, but our interest is to get some, something in return. 
Yeah. Yeah, so, so if we cannot get not even attendance to the workshop, wow, that's, that means that there is no interest at all. So there is no business there. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. I think when we speak about business, business, for I think uh, it's different from academia at all. So I can't understand. But maybe what, what be, uh, could be the most important quality, you think, after all that, one important quality you should maintain or you should have, you should mention meditation and going to jam, for example, but the quality you think is really important for you. Oh, okay. Well, one of the qualities is, um, so in, in our case, uh, for example, is, is uh, never, never surrender, never surrender. So yeah. it's, and and this is for this is for, in my case is part of my philosophy. So that doesn't mean that you are going to be going against the wall all the time because that's sometimes it's a stupid. So the wall you cannot break the wall. And maybe you at the beginning you don't know. So you crash one time, and then the next time you have to crash but in a different direction. You know, it's like instead here and see if it still stays there, and then if it not. If it stays, then okay, that's the, not the direction. So this is not the way. So maybe we can go under, or maybe we can go on the top. That's and that going up under that may mean that you change completely your business model. You know, so instead you wanted to do simulations, but for some reason it looks like selling those pen drive for robotics. This is the business where the business is, and you are discovering this because because doing this so going here then hitting on the other direction and then you pay attention to what is happening around so you find this okay and then this is something that i i like very much is from a, a martial art which is called wing chun and uh, the wing chun is a type of kung fu that is the first one that uh, bruce lee started to learn then he learned many others but his base was on this and then uh, the wing chun is very cool because basically it teaches you this principle and it, the principle is that if you go against something and then you, you you hit an obstacle then you should not our natural tendency is to then i'm going to push more and then no 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 wind tune is just the opposite it says oh there is a an opposition here so it doesn't make sense so i'm going to move here and then go on the other direction you know for, on the underneath or maybe going on the other side it doesn't it depends on the situation but it teaches you that if you find an opposition please don't maybe you are the strongest man in the world and then it's going to work for you but for most of us it's not going to work so you have to figure out go, how to go on the other side on beneath on here on another way and that's the principle that i i like so we are completely 100% committed to succeed. How to succeed? That's different. So if you say, oh, you are committed 100% to succeed to Ross, uh, with Ross, okay. So far, yes, but I don't know. So I don't see, at present, I don't see that much business in Ross. I don't see. So, so far is the best option for me, but maybe, at the end, I don't know. So let me give you another example. Uh, so we recently we have included into our academy a system that allows people to deliver workshops online. 
So anybody, you, if you want, you can deliver inside our platform and you get paid for that by the attendance. So you can invite anybody. We also invite people to attend. It's a paid workshop, paid workshop. And usually they are based on concentrated, just a few hours where a subject, one single subject is mastered. So the person explain. I don't know, for example, you are an expert in reinforcement learning with uh, OpenAI. Then you are going to do a workshop teaching this. So the people is only up to 15 people. And then they are going to, it's like a, a masterclass about this, five hours. Yeah. So we have included this into our system, which means that others are delivering the workshop instead of us. So, and we share the, the winnings, so the payment of the, for the attendance. So we share. The, we keep a part, and then the presenter keeps another part of the, of the money. Then maybe this is going to be a super successful business model, so we'll not do any more courses in the future, but there will be, the platform will be, uh, uh, let's say, the, the YouTube for Ross developers, for example. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think what you say is very inspiring because sometimes, to be honest, it's so hard to figure out this kind of how to find other ways because sometimes we have ego in our mind and and we're just hitting the wall and hitting and we don't understand how we can get around. It, it takes a lot of time to, to have a different perspective. It's hard. Uh, yeah, but uh, I appreciate sharing that thing. Very useful and very interesting. Yeah. Let me recommend okay. you then one of my favorite books. So this is from it's one of my favorite. It's an American guy. He's a ex-Navy SEAL. Let me put it here for the audience. First, the book is beautiful. First, it's beautiful. Discipline equals freedom. And the author is called uh, Yoko Willing. I, I love this guy, okay? So this guy is, is this kind of guy. is the one that is going to win. He is going to win. And then his, th this book talks about this, how, how to be disciplined. And one of the things that he talks is what you mentioned is about the ego and how we need to learn to put it aside because it can rule, as you mentioned. It's exactly what you said. So, and you get like blind for your own ego and I have to go and then you keep, and keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. It doesn't work and doesn't work. Excellent. Thanks so much for sharing this recommendation. Really good point. Yeah, thank you. I don't know if you have any final words before we close. We would like to say, yeah, before we closing, any final words you'd like to say? Oh yeah. So, besides what I have done, so in, uh, I would recommend that people that is willing to create a business in robotics goes for it, goes for it definitely. And if you don't want to create a business, uh, but you want to create uh, programs for robots then go for it. Uh, okay, so those are the ones that have the, let's say, the easiest ride. The easiest, but not, so, not that easy, but easiest because there are going, there are uh, ROS developers, they are requested all the time. So if you go for ROS uh, to learn about ROS, if you want to become a ROS developer, for example, doing the program, the master program that we are going to do at the Construct in, a, in, in September, is it starting in September? So, uh, or any other place, okay? So, you, you know, I'm, I'm joking. Then, that's a very good path because 
we all are dreaming about those robots that are super intelligent, that help us. Me, me myself, I, I, since I was very uh, little, since I was a child, I was thinking about the making robots uh, intelligent. I, I didn't know about artificial intelligence concept when I was a child, but I, I, was, I was willing to have machines that I can relate to them and talk to them. They understand and they help us. And that's the future that I imagine. I don't think, I'm not thinking about a future of robots that are overtaking the world and enslaving us. I don't think about that. Maybe in another conversation, in another podcast, we can discuss why about this. But I think just yeah. the opposite, just the opposite. They can be a super extreme helpful tool, friend, uh, companion, uh, supporter, and make our life easier a lot. And then that's the future that I'm working for. And if you want to be part of that future, then you have to learn how to program the robots. If you use ROS, that's your best chance now. And this is the kind of people that robotics is lacking more. The hardware to clean our room already exists. What doesn't exist is a software that is able to control that hardware and make it perform the task of cleaning the room. Or go with us to, uh, to uh, bring us some packages from, uh, I don't know, from the from the Amazon warehouse to our home, come here. So the, the hardware already exists. What doesn't exist is the software. Uh, the same for autonomous cars, okay? So it looks like autonomous cars is sold, but it is not. And there is plenty of work there for programmers, for developers. That, so go in that direction. If you want to do the business, uh, go for the business. It's going to be hard, but it's also very... Um, it's refreshing. I don't know how to say in English, but it yeah. means that it's very cool for you because you are fighting against the most difficult. The, is the most difficult is solve the problems and then sell them. That's super difficult. And then it's going to be it's like a challenge. If you like to challenge yourself, then that's very cool. And you cannot lose in any point. At some point in time, maybe you will have to close your company, but you will have learned so much. You will have toughened, I don't know how to say in English, but toughened toughen so much. You will have so much experience, so many contacts, so many, so that it's just worth it, even if it fails the company. So if you are like in that direction, perfect. If you are in the direction of creating intelligent robots, that's exactly what the, the world needs. We need people that is able to create those intelligent algorithms. They don't exist yet. So plenty of room. That's my, I think that that's the, the final things that I can say for the podcast. Thank you so much, Ricardo. It's very enjoyable and, and inspiring. And I think what you're doing is a really great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. My pleasure, Marwa. My pleasure, Marwa. So then see you around the world, right?